0: So this is the third week of our series, Struggles, following Jesus in a selfie-centered world. You'd have to be stuck on a deserted island to not have noticed that technology is both pervasive and oftentimes invasive in increasing ways in our society. And uh, we love technology. We like to leverage technology. We can get much more done in shorter periods of time than ever before with the right use of technology. There's a lot of great things about technology. Social media is one of the things, one of the outworkings, one of the expressions of technology. Social media wasn't even a thing 15 years ago. MySpace came out, a few creatives got on it. It was a bit clunky and a bit ugly. It, it became a thing, but it's now, it's now a thing in, uh, in, in many aspects of our life across the lives of billions of people. And there's a lot of bright sides to social media social media can be used to raise awareness. How many of you, maybe it was about five, six years ago, uh, remember YouTube um, raising awareness about the plight of the invisible children being captured and killed by Joseph Coney? Had it not been for YouTube, we wouldn't necessarily have known about that. It's, it's a great thing. It raises awareness. It, it can be used to raise participation. It, Social media, in particular, in this case, Twitter, has actually been given the credit as being the tool or or the vehicle that was used to bring down the Egyptian government, to to, to gather people together and and, and rally around to see the the, the corrupt government in Egypt toppled, it raised participation. It can even raise money. The ALS Ice Bucket Challenge 12 months ago became a thing. It, It went viral because of social media, and in turn raised hundreds of millions of dollars towards research around ALS and Lou Gehrig's disease. There is a dark side to social media, and I want to hit on one aspect that I would consider to be a dark side around the use of social media. The University of Michigan, between 1979 and 2009, studied 14,000 students and uh, using the various uh, clever tricks that they did in the study, they they observed a drastic decline in empathy over that 20-year period. And in fact, they quantified it as saying that we care 40% less today than we did in the 1980s. Compassion is on the decline. Now, how many of you have observed that the need for compassion is not on the decline, that there is stuff around the world every day that we need to be compassionate about. And yet, ironically, while perhaps the needs are going up, our level of compassion globally is going down. This sort of thing isn't as stupid as we might consider these days. And it happens, and I see it. Cyclist gets hit by truck. People gather around to take a photo of it. It's crazy. Social media is actually being considered partly to blame as to why our level of compassion is going down. And there's a few reasons for that. One is because we're now more obsessed with ourselves than ever before. I'm gonna take a few of you on a little bit of a memory journey. Some of you, this isn't gonna be memory. This is gonna be breaking news to you. There was a time when if you wanted to purchase a device that took photos, you would have to buy a camera, not a phone. Okay, and there were these places called camera shops and they sell these things called cameras. You can Google it, it's, it'll be in the archives somewhere. And here's what you wouldn't do when you went into a camera shop to buy a camera. Here's what you wouldn't do. You wouldn't go up to the, the shelf and pick up the SLR, the Nikon, the, the, the Canon, uh, the Fuji. You would not pick it up and turn it around and point it at yourself to decide whether or not that was value for money. You just wouldn't do that. It wasn't a thing. Now, selfies are taking over the world. Here's one that's not too far-fetched. Before smartphones, holiday pictures. After smartphones, holiday pictures. These ones on the right, they've even got a brand name. They're called the beach feet brag selfies. Beach, brag selfies we 're selfie centered there is a whole raft of types of selfies now i don 't know if you 're aware of that there 's this one it 's called the duck face selfie yes it 's a thing there 's this one here this one here is called the way too much effort collage selfie there 's a family of those and then there 's this one here called the abs selfie although i think I think there 's a little bit of photoshopping uh, involved in this particular photos. just to guess i don 't know. Um, but we, we're more obsessed with ourselves than ever, and as a result, our compassion for other people and causes is on the decline. Another reason that our compassion is on the decline is our overwhelming exposure to suffering actually desensitizes us. Here's the thing: social media comes in news feeds, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, etc. It comes in news feeds, right? Biologically. Our brains cannot differentiate one item of news from the next in terms of the emotion that we should immediately associate with it. So here's the thing this is not an unlikely scenario. You pull up your Facebook uh, news feed, this is not unlikely that you will see one, uh, uh, someone posting their new favorite recipe. Cool, you can more like it, don't like it, whatever. Scroll. The next item in your news feed is uh, headlines, sports star beats wife. Okay, don't like that. It's not cool, don't like that. Comment, don't like that. And, and, but you see that, and then, and then you scroll, funny cat video. Like that if you're into that sort of thing. And then, then you scroll, and the next thing in your news feed, ISIS be, beheads US journalist. And we scroll. Our brains cannot differentiate the order of magnitude between those four items in our news feed it just comes across to our brains as information and so we scroll and there's another reason compassion's going down driven in part by social media is a lack of personal interaction makes it easier not to care right cuz here's what happens someone posts lost my job today again don't like that just I know there's not a dislike button on Facebook, but don't like it. Lost my job today. Like. What? No. But, but, but maybe comment. You know, you say, not cool. Uh, I'm praying for you. And then scroll, right? That's what we do in social media. But picture if that was face-to-face. You're at a coffee shop and, and your friend says, man, I just wanted to, to, to meet up with you. I just needed a little bit of in-person support because I lost my job today. I would hope you don't look at them and say, praying for you. Anyway, about them dockers. Scroll. Right? But here's why we're talking about this today. Despite so much of our culture swimming downstream when it comes to compassion, as followers of Jesus, God calls us to a higher standard. We're meant to, in that particular expression, be not just countercultural. We're meant to define a new culture. What Jess was talking about earlier—a culture defined by compassion. We need to understand that true compassion demands action. Uh, compassion isn't actually an emotion. It 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 starts as an emotion. It's, it's meant to be something that is evoked within us when we come across something, some injustice, some, some, some struggle that somebody else is having uh, that, that, that we become aware of. It's meant to evoke a feeling of compassion. However, compassion isn't merely an emotion. Compassion is ultimately an action. We don't just feel compassion. We do compassion. Compassion. And it's important to understand that it's important to understand that we demonstrate compassion. This is one of the things that I learned in Bible college. I I learned a few things. I don't think I learned everything, but I learned a few things. One of the things that I learned in Bible college that God just revealed to me, not not me only, but, but very strongly to me, is a pattern when Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago. The writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, would often record Jesus as having come across a certain situation, a certain group of people, a certain scenario. And the writer often, on many occasions, would say, when Jesus came across this particular situation, he was moved with compassion. Right? You will see that you'll see that time and again written about Jesus when he came across certain dire situations, the writer said that Jesus was moved with compassion. I don't know how they knew that. I don't know how you measure that. I don't even know, you know, I don't know how you observe that, but they observed something moved with compassion. But, but the big idea is that when Jesus, when the writer would say Jesus was moved with compassion, there was never a full stop after the word compassion. It was always a comma, always. You read it you read it, you, you every single time one of the writers of the Gospels wrote about Jesus as having come across a certain situation that wasn't cool, wasn't God's best, said that Jesus was moved with compassion, comma, and therefore he did something. He felt something which we're struggling often to even feel something a lot of times, scroll. But he didn't just feel something, he did something. It's critical that we get that. It's critical that we follow that. Don't believe me? I'll give you a little head start with your homework this week. Here's some examples. Jesus came across a man with leprosy. The guy knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, the leper said. Moved with compassion. Comma. Jesus reached out and touched him. You don't touch leprous people. Well, you do if you're Jesus, and you do if you believe that Jesus is the healer. Now, I am willing, he said, be healed. He didn't just say, well, that's not cool. Scroll. Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. He'd been traveling by boat, saw a huge crowd, and he had compassion on them. No full stop. And he healed their sick. He felt something, therefore... He did something. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Some blind people, obviously. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. Had compassion, no full stop, and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. In fact, that word compassion, in the original Greek, true story, literally means moved to action. It literally means that. So when the writers wrote the word compassion, they actually were writing, the better translation is Jesus was moved to action. We read it often as Jesus felt compassion, but actually, no, Jesus moved to action. That was the point of feeling the compassion at the front end. Uh, About three years ago, we were starting to formulate our strategy around Elevate Global. We wanted to be really, really sharp as a church with how we invested into uh, situations where compassion, the feeling and the action was required. And so one of the organizations that that, that Louie and I have had a long history with is, is the organization, coincidentally, called Compassion. And uh, we've, we, we thought maybe as a church, they were one of the premier organizations that we were meant to partner with strategically with Elevate Global, when we were going to be launching Elevate Global. So at the time, a guy named Lester Sutton was the uh, state head honcho, and Lester's a friend of mine. So I met up with Lester for lunch. And I just simply asked the question, Lester, where's the biggest opportunity? Where's the biggest, I don't like to use the word need. It's like it's an opportunity. What's the, where's the biggest opportunity that you could give us, that you could present us with, that we could respond to, that we could be moved with compassion and partner with? And he said, did you know, Mark, that, that 21,000 kids aged between zero and five die globally every single day. And I was like, <coughs> excuse me, Lester, sorry. I thought you said day. You, you didn't say day, you meant 21,000 every year. No, 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 every day. Well, I didn't just scroll. Oh yeah, How's that uh, steak and chips, mate? I said, okay. How do we do something about that? And he talked to me about the child survival programs that they run in various parts of the world, and presented us with the opportunities for various countries, and we could we could pick one of those. So <clears throat> that week, later that week, it was a Friday night. We'd gathered our team leaders together at our place for, for a meal, and I and uh, before the main course was served, I said, "Hey guys, listen, I've uh, been doing some back." research in the lead up to launching Elevate Global, and I had a meeting this week with Lester Sutton from Compassion, and I don't know if any of you know this, but 21,000 kids aged zero to five die on our planet every single day, and Compassion run these things called child survival programs. They partner with a local church in various parts of the world to actually invest into prenatal care and postnatal care and health and nutrition and, and coaching and training for the mums and healthcare for the bubs. And in those pockets where they're operating, the mortality rate is substantially less. And uh, there's an opportunity for us to to add a child survival program to Elevate Global. What do you guys think? And uh, Neil Gibb just looked at me uh, across the table and said, okay. <laughs> I think it was Neil's nice way of saying this is a no-brainer. It was no-brainer, right? And by the way, that number of 21,000 uh, is uh, going down and it's close to reaching only 18,000. Yeah, now, it's still 18,000 every day. So I'm not going to be smiling until it's zero. But stuff's happening. Good stuff's happening. Stuff's working. And, and, and we, we didn't just feel compassion. We were moved to action because actually compassion means to be moved to action. And we had... Three of our team members actually visit that child survival program uh, just two months ago. And in fact, in two weeks' time, uh, we're going to have part B of the interview of that. But actually, this morning, (laughs) Neil showed me uh, a picture on social media of the latest batch of kids from our child survival program, age five, graduating from the child survival program. And And they'll go on to hopefully be sponsored and hopefully by some of us, too. But that's great, isn't it? That, that photo wouldn't necessarily even exist, let alone be sent to us, if we weren't moved to action three years ago and continue to take next steps in our generosity and our compassion. And here's the other thing about compassion that's incredibly important for us to understand. To say you care and to not act is to not care. And, and And this isn't meant to sound or feel like a, a manipulative statement it's it's just an observation it I think it's quite factual to to say we care uh, but to not act is to actually not care because c- caring isn't clicking caring's acting caring's not liking a post caring's loving a person, and there's a cost involved to compassion. Here's the thing. I'm going If you only write one thing down today, I want you to write this down. <clears throat> so this is instructive. This is a real guiding thought for us in 2015. The more we obsess over social media, and I use social media, okay? Every day pretty much. But the more we obsess, okay, there's a difference. Not use, obsess over social media. The more we obsess, about ourselves, eighty percent of what we post on social media is about ourselves. It might, you know, probably should be called social media. It should be called self-promotion media. However, the more we obsess about Jesus, the more we obsess about what He cares about. Um, huh. Coincidence? Well, here's the thing. The answer to not obsessing over social, sorry, the the answer to not declining in compassion as some of our culture is doing, the answer is Jesus. Coincidence? I think not. Years ago, preachers would say, Jesus is the answer. And the cynics would say, Yeah, but mate, you don't even understand what's the question. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what the question is. And I don't say that's all cliched. I don't do cliches. But uh, the answer to us continuing to grow, not, not only not have our compassion levels erode, but actually grow in compassion because as followers of Jesus, God calls us to a higher standard. The answer, the, the answer, the answer is Jesus. Lean into him. Oh, I read books. My favorite book is Facebook. No, make your favorite book, the Bible. Because as we spend more time reading God's book and not Facebook, we'll spend more time thinking about what Jesus thinks about and less about what culture's telling us we should or should not think about. It's not an either or proposition. Okay, I need to keep saying that. You will see me on Facebook but hopefully you'll also see me with my nose pressed into God's book, okay? And hopefully that's gonna be true for you. So questions, when's the last time you gave to Elevate Global in a way that it cost you, that you felt it? It's not a guilt trip, I'm just asking the question. So moved with compassion that you dug so deep that it actually cost you something. Not just the bit of the leftovers that you could, yeah, take it or leave it, easy come, easy go cost you something? When's the last time you gave your time to serve in a way that cost you something? You know, one of the most incredible stories around Elevate, some of you know it, some of you don't. One of the most incredible stories around Elevate Church is Jenny Green. Now, Jenny Green, uh, she uh, broke her foot in a freak gardening accident two months ago. I don't want to throw her under the bus because she's not here to defend herself, but she's now hobbling around on a moon boot. Uh, Jenny Green, she's actually the longest term person here at Elevate Church, okay, 50 plus years here, and uh, Friday nights, we run Elevate Youth, and uh, two of our incredible team leaders with Elevate Youth are Pete and Carleen Goodall, super couple, power couple, husband and wife with three kids, and and they are here on Friday nights, every Friday night, investing into Elevate Youth, um, while... On many of those Friday nights, Jenny Green, who considers herself maybe a little bit past her peak of personally investing into Elevate Youth, is at Pete and Carleen's home, sitting their kids on a Friday night, so that Pete and Carleen can be released to be here, and unpaid too, by the way. If you think she's trying to you know score a bit of free cash and supplement her pension, no. She's there, but now how many of you knew that? Exactly. Because she doesn't go around telling anyone, she just gets about and does it. She didn't just feel compassion towards her elevate youth and, 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 and crop herself out of being part of it. She what can I do? What can I do? I can't shoot hoops with Caleb, especially not with a moon boot on. But you know, maybe without the moon boot, you're going down. But But I I can sit the good old kids, which is no easy effort. They're three very incorrigible children, I might add, with a whole lot of energy. I saw one of them doing death-defying stunts in Elevate Kids this morning before they were even allowed in the Elevate Kids. So anyway, it doesn't matter. Colleen was just watching and laughing. I'm like, you're laughing and one of your children's about to die. How is that funny? I didn't like that. That wasn't cool. Jenny Green. Compassion. Um, shifting gears in the mood, I appreciate this is a bit of a whiplash moment. Uh, last month, one of our people, David, uh, lost his battle with cancer, um, and uh, I haven't shared that. It hasn't I Haven't felt it's been an appropriate moment to do that. And I know many of you, as with with me, were praying and encouraging them. But um, it's always mixed feelings when a follower of Jesus you know, passes away, you, you're sad for the loss and you're excited that his pain's over and he's in a better place, so it's like, But, um, and, uh, anyway, um, uh, one of the stories you, you, you might not be aware of and I don't mean to embarrass them or, uh, uh but the incubes, and please don't tell me I pronounced that wrong, um, uh, so David was here, eventually went back to the end of his days, in back, back with family in Zimbabwe, but was here when he first was uh, diagnosed with cancer. And um, <clears throat> his parents, who are elderly, a uh, couple I think in their early 80s, um, came here for 12 months to, to stay with David and Zodbo and, and the family. Um, David was in hospital at, at RPH for a, quite a, a long time there. Um, and uh, nearly every day, as I understand it, the Nkubis would pick David's parents up from Redcliffe, their, their home, and take them in to the hospital and wait while they visited with David, and then took them back because they they didn't have access to they couldn't drive and didn't have access to transport, and they just did that. Just did that. Amazing, huh? Yeah. Not just feeling compassion, but moved to action, and that makes all the difference. Margaret Flewers, who Tim and Margaret lost a a son many years ago to cancer. When we found out that David had been diagnosed with cancer, I asked Zodwa if she would, Zodwa at the time didn't have, uh, you know, her parents didn't have them here in Perth. And so um, I asked Zodwa, I said, would you, would you want a mum in this, Season you're you're about to enter this this challenging season. Do you want a mum? I wasn't offering my services, obviously. I said, Do you want a mum? Do you want someone that can be a mum to you during this? And she's like, Yes, please. And to me, it was a no-brainer. Margaret Fluer's, who's both generationally, with all due respect, uh, able to be a mother figure in uh, Zodwa's life, but also having gone through the experience of someone battling cancer as well. And, and it was literally, I asked Edward, the question standing in that part of our auditorium. And she said, yes, I'd love that. And I said, would you mind if I asked Margaret? And I told her a little of Margaret's backstory. She said, that would be fantastic. Margaret was seven paces that way. So I made a beeline, interrupted the conversation. I don't like to do it, but I did on this occasion. I said, Margaret, can, can I borrow you? Told Margaret the, the 25 words or less version of the story. I hadn't finished telling Margaret the story before Margaret's signing up for, for active duty. And, uh, and I brought her over to Zodwa and I just walked away and from that moment, Margaret played a, a critical role demonstrating, demonstrating, not just feeling, demonstrating compassion to Zodwa. Constant prayer, constant encouragement, visits, gifts, love, support. Yeah? You know, that's the church. This is not church. This is alone together right? Some of you have got the compulsory one or two seat gap between you. So you don't have to get people germs on you. Baden's got a whole road to himself. <laughs> Billy, no mates. Don't worry. Happens to me some Sundays as well. So I've, I'm feeling compassion for Baden right now <laughs> with his struggles of loneliness and together, together, alone. together alone. You know, the Jenny Green, that's, that's church. Life's better together. The incubi's not just playing chauffeur, but they were incredible, as were Peter and Hilda, friends to David and Zodwood through that whole journey. That's that's church. Life's better together. Margaret dropping things and leaning into David and Zodwood during that season. That's that's church. That's that's us not actually going. I don't ever want us to think that we are creating a counterculture. I want us to think that we are defining the culture. This is what life should be. This is how God created life to be. And whilst some aspects of our general culture are eroding, we're meant to redefine what God would have normal be. Not just to feel compassion, but to be moved to action. Compassion interrupts. You find out your friend's being diagnosed with cancer. You find that, that kids are dying between, before their fifth birthday. That should interrupt us. Well, yeah, oh well, oh well. Nothing I can do about that because I'm off, I'm off to brunch. It's just maybe, God, what do you want me to do in this? Well, it's probably going to cost something. Time, money, both. Prayer energy, sacrifice. (laughs) But compassion's not the goal. Life change is the goal. And compassion causes life change. The interruptions are worth it. The cost is worth it. The investment of our time and our money is worth it. Because God's planted us on this earth for such a time as this. He's planted us on this earth to leave it better than we found it, not worse to build a legacy, to add, to get in slipstream behind Jesus and where Jesus is leading us, where to follow. Be obsessed with his footprints, be obsessed with his voice, be obsessed with the direction and the pace that he sets. And as we do that, lives get changed. I'm going to ask one more question before I finish up here. Are you following Jesus? Are you obsessing over him? Are you following him literally in your life? Are you putting him in charge and where he leads, are you following him? I wanna ask you the question if you've never actually answered that question, yes or no, I want you to answer that question right now. Am I following Jesus, yes or no? Have I made a decision to follow Jesus, yes or no? By not saying yes, you're actually, at least for now, saying no. I wanna give you the opportunity right now to say yes, Jesus, I wanna follow you, I wanna put my faith in you we had someone make this decision last week. Incredible celebration. I want to know this week who needs to make that decision to say yes to following Jesus. And, and, and here's what I want you to do. For those of you that this is your time to make that decision, I just want you to slip your hand up. And you say, you're saying, kind of like you would have done at school, yep, I'm in, I'm here. I want to follow Jesus. When I see a hand, you can put it down. And then we'll just kind of pray together. So who needs to make that decision this morning? Just really quickly, slip your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down and then we'll pray. Fantastic, love it. Who else? Beautiful. Who else? Look, one more time. Two people, It's great. Amazing, love that. Let's pray. I'm gonna say a sentence. I want you to repeat this after me, even though they're my words. I, I I want you to appropriate them as your words. And actually, we'll, we'll all pray this out loud, especially those two people that lifted their hand. This is, this is a conversation between you and God right now, a declaration of the decision you've just made. So say these words after me. Dear Jesus, I decide today to follow you, to trust you, to put my faith in you, to put you in charge. I thank you. for dying in my place, for giving me a brand new start, for wiping my sins clean. And I commit to follow you from this day for the rest of my life in Jesus' name, amen. How about we celebrate with those two people?